0: Which can make people uncomfortable, but discomfort brings growth, and oftentimes tragedy brings joy. So tie, buckle, slip on, release up your shoes, and join me as we begin our Thousand Tiny Steps. Hey, everybody, Barb Higgins here, welcoming you to episode 47 <laughs> of Thousand Tiny Steps. So this episode will be airing the week of July 24th to the 29th, and July 29th is my birthday. That is also. Right around the time we're going to get Gracie from Disney and bring her back home. So you're listening to this during a week that has a lot of significance for me. Part of it is because Gracie's coming home and it will be really, really nice to have her in the house again. And partly because it's my birthday. This whole podcast experience for me coming up on a year, September 6th was my first episode. And so, you know, we're inching along to my one year date. The urge to do the podcast came after Jack's birth and so many things in my life just became crystal clear and and I felt like, you know, I had so much to offer and so much to say and what's the right vehicle and avenue to say it. You know, it was just an incredibly eye-opening time and the whole process of this podcast and the name a thousand tiny steps all relate to all the little steps that we think are inconsequential or insignificant that end up being huge things in our lives or leading us to big things and in looking back over the last, you know, all of my life, really, and trying to make sense of Molly's death and all of the things that have happened to me in my adult life and (laughs) why I'm attracted to some of the people I end up with and and all of that has been very eye-opening, but it has also led me to contemplate milestones. I have a friend, I've mentioned him before, Chris Sullivan. He coached track with me years and years ago, and he always wondered why certain years meant something like, oh, a 10th reunion or a fifth, like time goes in increments of five. And when you think of all your high school reunions, you don't have a seventh high school reunion. You have a fifth and then a 10th and then a 15th and then a 20th. We put this sort of importance on time and time is just relative. Time only exists here, here, meaning the physical realm. It's a thing. It puts a limit on something. It defines it or frames it. Thought about that a lot in my life, just how we look at life and And for me now, I know that I have so many before and afters in my life, before and after child abuse, before and after running, before and after living in Boston, before and after losing my job, before and after Molly. And that's the biggest one because nothing in my life was unfixable at that point. And there's no fixing this. So I have to say the overall process of this podcast has been amazing stomach churning sometimes. And it brings things up for me. And the beauty of things coming up is that you can step back now. When something comes up for me that happened 25, 30, 40 years ago, I can step back from it now and look at it as if I'm watching it on TV or as if I'm watching someone else experience it. But it's me. And I can utilize it now sometimes to explain why I am where I am. Sometimes huge gratitude. That's a big piece of why I am what I am and who I am. I can't change who I am, nor can I change what has happened to me, but I can redefine myself as the kind of person I am because of those things, sort of with growth and change and all of those things. I belong to a couple of groups I've mentioned also before, a spiritual mentoring group called the Nest, and a female entrepreneurs group actually called 28 Carats. And both of these groups are full of unbelievably amazing people who are not afraid to work hard, not afraid to share and network and not afraid to support and it's it's been incredibly helpful for me in this stage of my life where I'm spending so much time stepping back and analyzing. So let me jump on that for a minute. I'm going to be 59 when you hear this podcast. It'll be Tuesday the 26th and I will turn 59 on July 29th. 59. So when I think back to the adults in my life and when they were 59 My mother was 59 when I was giving birth to Gracie, you know, and she seemed she was very much a grandmother to me in my mind. Mr. Lutie was 59 the fall that I started running track, and I didn't think of him as a young man. I thought of him as as old, a grandfather-aged person, a senior citizen. And here I am that age, and I don't think of myself as old. Sometimes when I look at my reflection in the mirror when I'm pushing a carriage and I look like a, a granny pushing a carriage, I get a little upset. I definitely feel old because I look old my posture gets bent over. I have to remind myself to stand up straight. You know, I have to stretch and stretch to make sure I don't hunch over. But then I go to the gym and I do these workouts. You know, yesterday I was at CrossFit Amesbury and today I was at Amescape CrossFit and two very different workouts, two very different dynamics, but I am right there with everyone else in the gym. I'm not getting blown away by people young enough to be my great-grandchildren. Age becomes funny then. Why does the number matter? That marks how long my human body has been here according to a Gregorian calendar. I'm a different number of years old depending on the calendar you use. So we assign these numbers. But as I approach July 29th, and as you're listening, it's just days away or it's now, it's made me sort of think think back and ponder significant birthdays that I've had, ones that I remember, and things that went on in them. And so when I think back as a little girl, birthdays to me were were different as a little girl. Before abuse became a part of my life, they were just happy, party-filled days. And everyone came over and you wore pretty dresses and you got presents. Probably the one I remember the most was when I turned eight, I believe. Yes, going into third grade. We made these paper plate hats with paper cups on top and I got a raincoat and an umbrella. We ate outside on the picnic table in the backyard and then we all went swimming at White's Park in the pool. And then it was a sleepover. If I were to post a picture of this, which I think I should, most of the Women in that sleepover live in Concord or the surrounding areas still. It, we're just adorable in a little outfit, you know, getting ready to have the sleepover. And I was eight, which means my mother was 29. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, you know, I think about, I think that to those birthdays and then, you know, a very significant birthday is 16. You get your driver's license. Now I turned 16, obviously July 29th, I didn't get my license until October. It was just one of those things, standard barbed fare that I had too many other things going on. I didn't make the appointment and didn't make the appointment and finally got my license in October. I'd been 16 for a couple of months. When I entered high school in the fall of 1978, I entered ninth grade. The drinking age was 18 in New Hampshire then and half of the senior class could drink legally. Some of you listening might think that's terrific if you're a teenage listener or you're approaching your 21st birthday, but it isn't. 18-year-olds really shouldn't have access to alcohol or guns, quite frankly. And I know we can go to the military at age 18 But you don't just get to walk up and take a gun when you're in the military. There's training and, you know, you have to prove that you're able to use it and use it responsibly and safely and for the right reasons. So at any rate, 18 was a big one for me, but not because I could now drink legally, although I couldn't Vermont. And (laughs) we made a lot of runs over the border to get alcohol for our friends back in the day. But I remember turning 18 and I went out to celebrate with friends and and my dad was like, well, you know, come home whenever. And I'm like, what? And he goes, you're 18. No, you're an adult and you can make these decisions and you know, just let us know you're safe. If you were going to come home and you decide not to, let us know. But it was just like this weird sort of corner turn where I was, you know, July 28th, I was still 17. And then July 29th, I'm somehow different. And it was just a day. It's like one degree of water going from water to steam, 212 to 213. This little teeny day made this big difference. For me, living in Boston, the drinking age was 20, so when I turned 20, I could legally drink. And I remember actually, when you can finally legally drink, all the fun goes out of it because it's not illegal anymore. Alcohol became much less of a "Ooh, I'm going to have alcohol," and more of you know, I can have alcohol. And of course, back then I was a very big binge drinker. I was in high school, I was in college, a blackout drinker. But I was excited that I could that I could drink legally. And I remember I partied actually heavily with my friend Sally. She turns 21 like a week later. Our birthdays are like a week apart, so we celebrated them together all the time. It was a lot of fun. And that was a fun one, I remember. I actually celebrated that birthday in Amesbury, Massachusetts, which is just a strange coincidence all those years ago. I turned 20. That was 1983. It was a fun summer. So birthdays bring back memories. They evoke memories to me and significant birthdays. Another significant birthday for me, and this is a passage of time, birthday is 25. So, when I turned 25, I remember having this stark realization that I was halfway to 30. I divided the decade up in my head and it really actually upset me quite a bit. And it was one of the reasons I decided to move home is that, you know, you can live in this sort of world of college. And then, you know, I graduated college and I went to grad school. So I was 22 when I was finally done with school. And those next three years, I really still lived like I was in college. I was running for Nike. So I had a means of support and traveled to different races and things. So I just got a bunch of part-time jobs I was a cocktail waitress and I worked for Parks and Recreation in the summer and I worked at clothing stores and running stores and I really just tried to piece together a life that left me time to party and to travel and to do what I wanted to do and that really quickly became something that wasn't going to work. 25 was that big birthday because I felt like I was, I was now on my way to 30 as opposed to on my way to 25 or leaving 20. I had gotten my first teaching job at age 24 in the fall of 1987, completely unprepared to live a mature life. I was 24 after all and still young and, and I called out sick a lot and I took days off and you know, I just did what I wanted. And at the end of that school year, I was given a list of things I needed to do if I wanted to keep teaching the district. That was when I taught in Woburn. And so I turned 25 in the summer of 88 and then began teaching at an elementary school. And that was a much more sobering experience. I was coaching track as I had been before in teaching and I was just very, very busy all the time incredibly busy, but I still was really trying to balance running and partying and doing all the fun things I thought I should be able to do because I was young, you know, because I was in my twenties. But I remember at that time turning 25 and really thinking I should probably move home. Like I'm really not, I'm really not okay. I have this job here, but I'm not super happy. At the end of that school year, 25 turning 26, I did come home. And that was when I moved back to Concord and taught for a year at second start. And I remember 25 to 30, my life, I talked about this, where I just cut off one part of my life and and started the next. And that was probably the right thing to do. So 25 wasn't like a big party or a big markation, but in my mind, I started to make a shift. You know, I'm I'm not really cutting it here. I'm making poor decisions and, and I should go home. Thinking it would be straightening up for a month. And then I would, so then I turned 30. That was the next significant birthday. And I think 30 is a big one for everybody, but women in particular, you really start to notice physical changes around 30. And I can remember when I first started teaching, and we'd have these overnight camp thing with a sixth grade in our school. And we had a couple of field trips and teacher parties were all in bathing suits. And I remember thinking, thank God I'm still young because my skin isn't smooshy yet. And you know, I just saw teachers who were older than I was and felt like, oh good, I don't look like that. And you turn 30 and suddenly you do look like that. you for women, the the physical shift can be pretty significant. I think it's a hormonal shift as well. And so turning 30 for me was significant. And we all know, I just talked about this. I got married after knowing somebody for 11 weeks. That was the summer of my 30th birthday. And after that, I really stopped paying attention to birthdays for a while. They just sort of didn't mean anything. I'm like, all right, I've turned 30. My next big one is 40. And so when I think about 40, you know, I had just had Molly and that that was considered an old, an old lady birthday. You know, I had Molly in April at age 39 and I turned 40 that summer. And I remember I I nursed her well. I nursed her until she was two and a half. And I remember when Molly and Gracie were four and two, they would say four and two, 42, because they were four and two and I was 42 and it all matched. I have a hard time remembering that now because it really hurts me. 40 was a big, was a big one. In my forties was when my life sort of took a turn. And I'll talk about that in upcoming episodes when I'm talking more about, you know the time frame, but right now I'm just doing this some birthday ruminations because it's my birthday week. So my 40s sort of marched along, and I was busy with Gracie and Molly, and things were fine. Things were really okay for a long time. And it was around 2007, 2008 that they started to sort of fall apart, and that's when I was 45, 46, then 47. So my later 40s, and I remember, you know, turning, I think I turned 45, I was teaching at Concord High School, and I remember thinking, all right, I'm halfway to 90. I'm not even halfway through my life yet. I'm going to live to be a hundred. And it was this sort of funny thing. And I and I know a lot of my students were surprised at how old I was at that time. So then I had the job loss and all of those things happened in my late forties. And so I turned 50 in 2013 and I was two years into 50 million part-time jobs trying to make make sure I could give Gracie and Molly the life that I wanted to give them. I talked in the last episode about how happy I was when I had them. Like I just thought I was living my fulfillment and I only had happy plans. And, oh, Molly and Gracie would graduate. I remember I had their preschool and kindergarten pictures on Gene Connolly's wall. He was the principal at Concord High at the time. And I would always give him Molly and Gracie school pictures because he loved them. They called him C. And I remember thinking how far away 2019 and 2021 seemed, not knowing the decimation that would occur between that time. So my birthdays throughout the trauma of my job loss, I remember when I turned 50, and it was sort of like, okay, now I can say I'm halfway there. And now I'm I'm marching. It's like turning 25. I'm not marching away from zero anymore. I'm marching toward a hundred. I remember significantly that birthday. We had big celebrations for my birthdays. You know, Gracie and Molly loved, loved, loved it. So when it was my birthday, we had cakes and you know, it was summertime, so we were always busy. Oftentimes I was at Princeton camp. I celebrated more than one birthday in Princeton, New Jersey over the years. And so, you know, get sung to it at dinner in the dining hall. All of those realities existed around my birthday and it was fun. I enjoyed celebrating them. I remember my 46th birthday, I believe. Let me think. Yeah, was spent on the front porch at Roy's house here in Concord. He had gotten the house back and we were getting together to have some conversations, some big conversations. And he bought me a bouquet of flowers and thanked me for being willing to share what I knew. That will end up being a very significant birthday. So my 53rd birthday was 2016. And <laughs> that was the first year. I haven't really celebrated my birthday since. Sometimes people will send me cards or get me a cake, but I don't, I don't ask for anything and I prefer not. Birthdays are hard for me. They just mark years without Molly now. Why is July 29th different than any other day without Molly? It isn't, except it's a markation of some sort. It's one more birthday of mine that she's not here. And I have a very hard time with them now. With all the birthdays, you know, I try very hard to make Gracie's birthday happy, but I know for her, it's a conflict. Her last birthday with Molly was just days before Molly died. Now you have this holiday with all this pressure to be happy. And here we are sad about it. Kenny's birthday is September 6th, which coincides with my first ever podcast episode. And oftentimes we celebrated his birthday in Pennsylvania. Labor Day weekend in that time of year is often a time that we would travel down there. His last birthday before Molly died actually the girls went down. Molly and Gracie went down to Pennsylvania with Kenny. I worked like five road races. It was Labor Day weekend, 2015, and I had two on one day. I had four races in three days. It was incredibly good money. I couldn't say no to it. Things were very, very iffy with Kenny and I at that time. Lived apart, and then we were sort of rooming together again, and then we ended up getting an apartment again so we could separate a few months after that. And so he went down with the girls, and they had a wonderful time. Hindsight now, I wish I went. I didn't. I worked a bunch of road races and I spent some time with Roy, which infuriated Kenny. And I guess, you know, rightfully so. Who am I to argue how anyone feels about what I do? I, you know, I'm just happy to share it now. So birthdays are funny. And so in the years since Molly's died, you know, 52, turning 53, all the way to this year, turning 59. They're very different. With the birth of Jack, my 57th birthday was big because I had just had an embryo transfer an IVF transfer. So that was significant because, you know, here I was turning 57 and hoping that I was pregnant. Turning 58 was big because I had this four month old baby, jingle jangle. And so that was significant birthday just because of the age. And this one is too, I'm, I'll be turning 59. I'll be entering my 60th year and I had this young baby. So I would be completely dishonest and remiss if there weren't times in my day-to-day life where I think to myself, oh, Barbara, what have you done? You know, you have this little baby, you're responsible for this baby. And and it makes me think, oh, I can't do anything that I want. And I realize I have to rethink it and reframe it. I can do anything I want. I get to include a beautiful baby in it. Or if there's something I want to do that isn't suitable for a baby, I have so many people that will take Jack-Jack for a day or two if I needed to go do something or, or whatever. And, you know, I feel like what I have is this amazing little human that I created and is here to help me celebrate all these birthdays from here on out. 59, I have a lot of goals. And so I'm gonna talk about that a little bit. And then I'm gonna go back to some other ones that relate to a recent visit I had. In my 59 turning 60 year, I have to be honest, part of me really wants a sibling for Jack. And I just don't think it's logical for me to try to have another baby. And I'm not sure that I would even be allowed to do so. (laughs) I don't know where I would go to do that. And I wouldn't be willing to put myself at too high a risk. But I do feel that Jack, like Gracie, would benefit from a sibling his age, somebody that lives in his house with him. And I know a lot of people say that only children are just fine, and they are. So oftentimes I think of adoption. I've looked into fostering, but I tell you what, when you lose a child, I can't imagine having somebody hand me a baby and then a few months later, I have to give that baby back. I don't think I could do it. And maybe that's selfish. I think I'm just being honest ahead of time, but I would absolutely... I would love to foster and then adopt a baby. That would be a wonderful way to create a sibling for Jack. So these are things that are, as I approach birthday number 59, toss around in my head. Professionally, I am very much interested in utilizing this podcast and all of my online experiences now with Montefiore Hospital and the commercial and the billboards and all to facilitate some sort of online presence. I really want to be a public speaker and I think I would be good at it or a motivational speaker. Either way, I don't have a hard time talking. You know, I know my podcasts aren't flawless, but. I make a list of things I want to talk about, and I look at the list a few times, and I ruminate, and then I make the podcast. I don't feel like I would have a hard time speaking and having speaking engagements, and so I'm looking into that. I actually would love to continue to grow a coaching business, and when I say a coaching business, I'm not an entrepreneurial coach. I think I'm I'm good with health and fitness. I'm getting certified as a grief coach online through David Kessler. That's not a counselor. I'm halfway to an EDD, a doctorate in education. I could potentially redo some of my coursework and get a doctorate in either counseling or therapy or, or something like that. And then I would be perfectly qualified to counsel. But right now, what I really would love to do is just utilize what's happened to me and what I know to spread the message. In my 60th year, after I turn 59, I'm going to publish my book. Virginia and I are, are just now ready to send it to the publisher and take it from there. And this is like a four to six month or four to eight month process. I think I would like to have it release around Jack's and Molly's and Gracie's birthday. I think that time of year is when my life blew up and it blew up in great ways with having babies and it blew up in a horrible way with losing babies. That's also coming in my you know 60th year. And then finally, physically, I had some foot surgery and I'm I'm really, really looking to take better care of myself. I've started the process in some ways. My diet is flawless. I really don't eat anything junky. I don't. Popsicles at night, but we get fruit bars. So maybe they have some sugar in them because they're fruit popsicles. But I really, I don't drink soda. My one downfall remains alcohol. And, and while we, we really moderate it well, I have a very hard time still just going cold turkey. It's amazing when I was pregnant, it didn't even cross my mind. I just think something clicks in your head when you're pregnant and you're a woman and you know you're not supposed to drink and you don't. You know, And Kenny and I, I've said before, we're not good for each other. We have to, Recreate evening routines so that we aren't just like, oh, let's just have a drink. Well, let's just have another one. Well, let's just have another one. You know, it's kind of like that. That would be the one area, the one sort of challenge. But I've taken a big step. I work out at two different CrossFit gyms. The great thing about that is I just get two different philosophies of coaching, two different programming companies. It's amazing how much I'm learning. And I'm doing some CrossFit coaching. And what's been fun in the coaching realm is really articulating what I know. And I think sometimes I surprise people. I, often feel I don't get a whole lot of respect as a coach in the CrossFit realm. And, and I'm not always sure why. My friend, Bethany, pointed out to me, she said to me one day that I'm somebody that people enjoy being mean to and I'm not, I don't really understand why, but she's not wrong. And I don't think it's like, well, let's pick on Barbara, but I end up being a really good scapegoat sometimes. Again, in my journey, in my thousand tiny steps, this is something that I want to analyze as I go forward in my sort of self-made career. I enjoy my teaching at VLAX, but I realize that I'm, I'm just coming to the point now where I might need to let that go because I really do want to focus on these other things. I like the income. It keeps me steady there. And so I worry about that piece of it. But if I didn't have that money, I might be more careful in other, other ways. And then finally, the other physical task and challenge for me is CrossFit, the sport of CrossFit itself. That's not really the final one, but I want to get back into competing. I did two competitions last fall and, and I was 150 pounds and I had just had Jack and I was really, really quite fit because I worked out all through the pregnancy, but but I'm thinner now. I'm probably 10 pounds lighter and stronger in many ways and stronger lung-wise. So I'm really excited to compete and make a name for myself in the CrossFit community. I wouldn't mind seeking out a sponsorship, perhaps. I think I'd be a great representative for, you know, either a line of athletic wear or CrossFit itself or coaching or whatever as a master's athlete approaching 60 with, with a baby or a toddler. <laughs> And the final thing, this would be the final thing physically is I really want to get back into running. I haven't run for a long, long time. And I did a little bit of running in my workout today. And I'm looking down at my foot if you're watching me. And it felt great. All sorts of other things aren't right. But I have a wonderful chiropractor, Veronica Witten. And I went to her today and she has a a machine that scans your feet and, and creates orthotics. And so I'm excited because I know if I put some support under my feet, other things will iron themselves out. I know it's very easy for me to feel why certain things are. Not feeling so great. So this is where I'm at at birthday 59. Next year I'll be entering my sixth decade, and you know the end of that decade is your seventh. And I look at 70, really is just being so old. And Jack, Jack will just be entering. He'll be entering Molly's last year of life. You know, 12 turning 13, and so you know that's tricky sometimes for me. I have to, I try not to think about those things or think of life that way. But I do worry. You know, now that I have this age next to my name. Which should mean nothing, but you know, society puts it there, and it just does. You know, I ponder and worry, and and I want very much to create a different life for Jack than I created for Gracie and Molly, because Gracie and Molly, I look at them as my picket fence family, and I don't look at Jack that way at all. I don't know what he is, but he's my gift and my blessing and my journey. You know, he's the head on my ship, even though he's a he and not a she. One of the reasons I also thought to do this episode is I listened to other podcasts. I've mentioned this before, and I'm listening to one right now called OK Up, and it's by a girl named Libby that used to run for me. She's a young woman. She's in college. I think approaching her senior year is what I think. I'm not quite sure. Her podcast is terrific, and she just did one about her freshman year of college, and she talked with another girl named Grace that I also used to coach. And they shared how much they thought they were supposed to love it, yeah, and going to college and how miserable they were. And how anxiety producing was and how much they cried and things that they liked, things that they didn't like. And it brought me back to a lot of the assumptions we have about things that aren't true at all. And some of them attached to birthdays. So I know turning 18, I remember when I was coaching at Concord High School, this became a tradition with the girls I coached. Whoever had a birthday during either one of the seasons, cross country, indoor or outdoor, when they turned 18, they'd go buy cigar or cigarettes in a pornographic magazine, Playgirl or something, because they can buy cigarettes and porn now because they're 18 you know, typically we would burn the magazine. That was like a really woman empowering thing. I'll think back to that now because it was like, you know, this is terrible, but they could do it. Oh, I can rent an R-rated movie now. I'm 18, you know, and even though that's sort of funny and it was a fun way to commemorate 18, I also know that a lot of these girls felt all the pressures of things they think they should have done by the time they were 18. You know, I should have done this. I should have done this. You know, another big milestone for girls is getting their period. And, you know, It's a social thing, like, oh, am I the last one to get it? I was like one of the last ones to get my period. I didn't get it until I was 14 and a half, almost 15. Molly and Gracie were like 11. There's a whole age range. But, you know, you want to get it because you want to fit in. You want to be mature. You want to know you're not a little girl anymore. And then you get it and it's horrible. (laughs) And I know that's like a sort of a TMI analogy, but it's the truth. I mean, I remember I wanted it and wanted it and I finally got it. And I had horrific periods. Like, why did I want this? But it's it's one of those things that marks progress. Turning 21, you know, now that means you can drink. And okay, that's terrific. But it also means that you're legally, officially recognized as an adult. And there's a lot of sadness around leaving youth. You feel so old. I felt old. I felt old when I turned 21. Like birthdays weren't something you looked forward to anymore. You know, you always want, yeah, I'm 10. Yeah, I'm 11. And you look forward to it. And then you get older and you don't look forward to it at all anymore. So I remember that. And I remember going off to college when I went to BU and I was so excited, a full scholarship and Joni Benoit was gonna be my coach and David Henry was the head coach. He's an Olympic gold medalist from England. And I remember going off to Cape Cod for cross country running camp and meeting all my new teammates. And I had a blast, we had a blast, I will admit it. But I also just had this knot in my stomach. I was homesick, I wanted my friends, I wanted things to feel normal. And I remember moving into the dorm and, and I remember this girl named Tanya and I love Tanya. But we were both like, well, how do we navigate? Like, what do we do? Are we happy? And I felt like I was on a vacation I didn't want to be on. Nothing felt right. I came home almost every weekend. I had a boyfriend up here. I would come home, but home wasn't the same. Life, life continues along and you're not, you're not in the realm anymore. Even though I was looking at the same house I grew up in, it was different now because I didn't live there all the time. That was really hard. I always warn my graduating senior runners that, look, if you hate college, don't worry about it. You have to settle in, allow yourself, Allow yourself that chance. And, and that was a lot about what these girls were talking about. You know, turning 30, 30 is nothing. <laughs> 30 is, 50 is the new 30. Like it doesn't matter. Turning 30 is nothing. There's no rush now to do certain things as a woman before 30. I mean, and I think that changes a bit with society sometimes. But I do know that there were things in my life that I thought were going to be a certain way that weren't. Another one was motherhood. I was not going to have children. And I remember when Kenny and I first decided we might, the rest of our lives together and, and everything we had we had not made or lost baby Gordy yet, and I said, "Look, you have kids. I don't do not need kids. I'm fine." And then I had that you know I had Gordy in my belly for those weeks, and I realized oh, I have to I have to be a mom. I'm a mom now, and I and I knew what that felt like. And, and hence Gracie and Molly. And you know we had talked about having a third child and then decided against it. And had I gone ahead and had that third child. So many things in my life might've been different because that would have changed the trajectory of of what, what came after Molly. But I didn't, you know, hindsight's 2020, 20, but it doesn't mean you should look at hindsight because I wasn't there to make those decisions as me now. But I remember Gracie being born. And of course I loved her. I was overwhelmed. Oh my God, here she is. But I also, there were times when I'm like, shouldn't I love her more? Should I feel more connected? It, it takes a while. For me anyway, it was like, oh my God, she's alive and she needs me. And and what do I do? And and then our lives changed so drastically. Gracie was not an easy baby, and I can remember apologizing to Kenny, holding Gracie on these steamy hot summer nights, and she was screaming. Just she called call her cycle baby, and just I'm I'm sorry, Kenny, I'm sorry, because I just felt so bad. His his children were finally entering the age group where they were going to grow up and move along, and he he could have been years away from freedom, <laughs> and now here he is at 66 with a baby. <laughs> but I remember being concerned about that, like really worried about it, like Do I not love her enough? And of course, I would step in front of a train for any of my children. But I do remember having ideas about it. I also remember thinking that I should feel older about being 40, 50, or 60. So one of the greatest things for me, and this is sort of because of my job loss, but also because of me as a runner, is I've always been youthful athletically and physically. I'm incredibly lucky genetics-wise. I'm very, very young for my age. And so when I entered the CrossFit realm, I was 46. I turned 40. I started in November of 2011. So I think I was 47. Yeah, I was like 48. And so I remember getting fit and getting pull-ups and lifting weights. And suddenly I had, at the end of the day, I was the workout winner. I had the most reps or the fastest time often in the gym. And, you know, it gets competitive. Everybody wants to be like, you know, the fastest one of the day or whatever. And I loved it because I was so much older than everyone else. And it it was sort of eye-opening for people. On the other side of the number, I oftentimes have felt ahead of it a little bit, but I'm always amazed at how we have these preconceived notions based on what we've been told or what we observe and what we think about what we observe about how we're supposed to be at a certain age. So I will tell you, even at 55 and 56, when I was in the process of hoping to have a baby, I really truly did not see myself at 59 with a baby. I had no no confidence that IVF would work for me and that I would be a mother at this late age. I can certainly tell you when I was giving birth to Gracie and Molly, I did not see it this way at all. I thought I thought that my life after they left would be the next big chapter of travel or who or reinvent myself. Who knows? And I can still do those things and I will do those things. I feel like that's kind of what I'm doing right now. And that getting online and sharing my story is part of that. So I'll wrap up here primarily because... <laughs> I've shared what I want to do in my 60th year and I've talked about some of the things in past birthdays, but I wonder sometimes how other people are. When you go on social media, somebody's always having a birthday and and birthdays, you know, you get social security at 62. So, okay, is that the next birthday I should look forward to? You know, 62, do I take my social security? When do I retire? You know, you can join AARP at 55. I can go to restaurants and get a senior citizen discount right now. I can get discounts on lift tickets at ski areas because I'm, you know, 59. I find that to be so so interesting. The other thing that comes along with being my age and getting older and getting into my sixth decade is that my parents and their friends and my friend's parents and that whole generation is beginning to die. And you know, you always look to the adults ahead of you. I have no desire to be the matriarch of my family. I'm not ready for that, except that I'm approaching 60. And sometimes that's how old matriarchs and patriarchs are. My brother Rick just turned 62. So yeah, he can cut social security. (laughs) Congratulations. But, you know, my parents are 80 and do they have 20 years left and they'll live to be 100? Unlikely. Jack will turn 20 and probably not have his nanny and papa here. His Grammy babe is 96 right now. I'm not quite sure he'll turn two and have Grammy babe. Slowly but surely, the generations ahead of us go. I remember the first year I was really friendly and close with Kenny. His mother turned 70 and I remember his mother turned 70 and I remember thinking 70 was so old and, you know, Kenny's brother is 70 or going to be 70 this fall. That's his brother. That's our generation. So our generation is now the same age as his mother was when we met. Sometimes that's incredible to me. I'm the age my mother was when Gracie was born. We're 21 years apart. And I look back at that. I look back at, you know, I remember my dad saying on the phone to me, you know, your mother's not young. She's tired. This is wearing her out. And I think (laughs) now I'm that age and I don't feel old. I don't feel it. I feel it when I look at the numbers and I feel it when I add the years up in my head. And that's what I need to steer away from. I have had many wonderful things happen to me. I've had many wonderful birthdays over the years. I've had beautiful gifts given to me. I have had vacations and trips. I've celebrated my birthday in many places and with many different people. (laughs) So happy birthday to me. I'm going to be 59. (laughs) Don't tell anybody. Go ahead and give me a happy birthday and share something with me. Share something with me around you and your birthday and your age and how you perceive and see all of that. Are you young for your age? Are you old for your age? Do you not care? Are birthdays important to you? I had my first baby, baby Gordy, I was, you know, 36. I had just turned 36. And so, you know, that's not, you know, that's not yeah, you know, for first babies anymore. Well, younger, it's getting there. So how old were you when you had your first baby? What was it like when you turned 21? I would love to hear more from my listeners. So I'm going to start asking questions and hopefully you'll answer. And answer in any way that you can. I have social media. I have Instagram and Facebook, all of these things that you know. I don't need to say that here. I'm getting proficient at using Reels and creating Reels and TikToks. So actually in my 60th year, I will become more proficient at Instagram Reels and TikToks. (laughs) Yay! And maybe I'll do a YouTube channel, Old Lady Baby Mama (laughs) or something like that. I don't know. I have ideas in my head. Thank you so much always for listening. Thank you for celebrating my birthday with me. If it's your birthday this week, happy birthday. Do something good for yourself. I'm going to buy myself a cupcake. I declare it so. (laughs) Or maybe an ice cream cone or maybe a margarita. I don't know. Anyway, do something nice for yourself. Do something nice for someone else. And as always, have a good day, everybody. Hey, thanks for listening and for supporting A Thousand Times Steps. I hope you enjoyed the episode and will continue to listen. Feel free to leave a review and share my stories with your friends. Also, Please reach out if you have stories to share. I love hearing from and connecting with my listeners. If you would like to know what I'll be talking about down the road, you can find me on Instagram at Barb underscore 444 on Facebook as Barb Higgins and at my website www.1000tinysteps.com.